The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to The Good Stuff. I'm Jacob Schick, and I'm joined by my co-host and wife, Ashley Schick. Welcome, everyone. We know that everyone has a story, and we can all gain something from other people's experience. We want to tap into the perseverance and the tenacity that it takes for people to get through the hard times to get to the light. And that's why we're here with you today. We bring you an amazing story that's going to give you inspiration and perspective to help you get through the day and whatever it is you're possibly battling. We love doing stories like this because we get to draw light from it. We use it in our own lives. Thank you for listening to the good stuff. Our guest today is Chad Hennings, who flew 45 successful missions with the Air Force, bringing humanitarian aid to Kurdish refugees fleeing their homes in northern Iraq in the aftermath of the Gulf War. He was then promoted to captain and twice awarded the Air Force Achievement Medal. Yeah, he's also authored three books. He is a three-time Super Bowl champion of the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. That's right. 27 years old. That's all he was as a rookie. That's crazy. 27. I mean, that's light years ahead of his fellow rookies. And I love this guy, regardless of the fact that he's an Air Force veteran. (laughs) I truly love this guy. I first bumped into Chad when I was at Coppell High School in Coppell, Texas, as a young teen. And we're definitely definitely going to unpack that later. We are so excited to bring you our conversation with Chad Hennings. Was the camaraderie close from your Air Force service to when you transitioned and made it big time with the boys in the NFL? I tell you, it was like going from one locker room to another. Fighter squadron. Wow. Duty on our country, mission-oriented, same thing with the Cowboys. It was offense, defense, special teams, mission-oriented, win Super Bowls. It was two bunch of alpha males in both and guys trying to get after it and win games or successful training or combat missions. 
God, that's awesome to hear. Absolutely. I think men are men, guys are guys are guys, and high-performing units or whatnot, that, that cohesiveness, that fraternity, that esprit de corps, for any organization to be a success. And again, company, professional athletic team, military unit, they have to have that. It's all about relationships. The brotherhood. The brotherhood. Exactly right. And clearly that led you to not just being a rookie at age 27 with the Dallas Cowboys, but rookie the greatness year. you achieved while being a Dallas Cowboy. Three Super Bowls in an iconic era of Dallas Cowboy football. You know, that was God's providence over that one. I've never been around a group of guys that were more selfless, more dedicated to their craft, wanting to win. Whatever it took, we're going to win. I love that. You realize, and I'm sure have completely accepted the fact that like you're a unicorn, NFLer and veteran on both sides, on military and the NFL. You had three Super Bowls in the first four seasons. Like, you know, no, I don't have to give you odds on that. You're a unicorn. Yeah. Congratulations. We are so thrilled to have you here on The Good Stuff. Chad Hennings, Air Force pilot, three-time Super Bowl champion, and friend. And we're thrilled to call you friend. And how did the two of you meet? Because I know you've known each other a while. I lived in Coppell for a number of years, so we may have run into each other when you were a young man. You were just a wee little lad at, mm -hmm. back in the day. I was, and I do remember when you guys were still practicing out at Valley Ranch, and Coppell had built that indoor facility. And I remember one day it started pouring rain. And we practiced over there, yeah. Yeah. And so coach comes in, and he's like, all right, gents, we're all getting wet today. Got the Dallas Cowboys coming. They need to use the indoor facility. And I remember thinking, like, I love you guys, but what the hell? Like, you're the Dallas Cowboys. You can't get an indoor facility. You got to come over to our facility. And I remember us walking, <laughs> walking out. Y'all are coming off the bus. And I will never forget all of us. Like, we may not win, but we'd fight them right now. <laughs> Wow. Just because, like, it was... Texas football. Yeah. It was like, freaking Cowboys can't get wet. Prima Because goddess. we're Cowboys, too. Cowboys yeah, that's right. Cowboys. Cowboys. I'll never forget that. Texas football, Texas high school football, especially, the Friday Night Lights. It's iconic. And, yeah, you're probably pissed. Like, we have to go practice in the mud now because the Cowboys have to have I'm our nice you, indoor facility. I, I'm telling you, we, we were ready to fight knowing we would lose. It was like, this is not right. Most successful franchise. Lay the groundwork for eventually what the man that you became. Take out all odds, David We're, and Goliath. No, football is huge in our family, like for generations. Cheerleading, football, it really dominates our life. And now our boys both play football, and we couldn't be more thrilled about that because it's such a great sport. It's such a great game. And it lends back to what you talked about, the brotherhood. You've been rewarded for living a life of dedication, focus hard work. You've flown A-10 fighter planes. You've won Super Bowls. Your accomplishments are legendary. But despite all the victories, all the accolades, you're actually here to tell us about one of the most challenging times in your life and events you've ever lived through. And it's the one thing you credit above all else with making you the man that you are today. Being a father when your firstborn son, Chase, was battling some terrifying health issues. Yeah, for me, that was the first thing in my life that I couldn't control. Right after we won the third Super Bowl in four years, we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had a, believe it or not, I had a Super Bowl record. I was tied. I had two sacks in that game. Two sacks. Two sacks in that game. I completely believe it, yeah. by the way. And then Reggie, I remember the Reggie game. White broke it the next year. I think he had two and a half sacks. But 
for a period of time, <laughs> you were man. I was one of ten guys that had two sacks, whatever, in the Super Bowl. It was in Phoenix, and they had a Luke Air Force Base was right yep. near there. So I had friends that were stationed at Luke. So I took one of our days off prior to that. I took a contingent of guys out to Luke to fly the TAC Sims, the F-16 Very Sims, cool. and. Over my cowboy career, I took guys out on aircraft carriers. We took them out to fly tax sims, to go out to Fort Worth, or Joint Reserve, JRB, to do a variety of different things. So they can get a glimpse into the experience that we have that a lot of other military well, men and women have. And most people will never, ever right. be able to get right. a glimpse into Yeah, exactly. Former teammate of mine from the Air Force Academy was part of the force ship that did the flyover then prior to the game oh that's so awesome. i'm looking did, at this it's just a whole up freedom slew of emotions going through and then you know win the game it was just a high point married for six years my son was two and a half he's just a blowing and going let's get after it little boy that's just carrying things up and it was good i mean it was at the peak of life for us so they was, were at the game yeah my whole family mom dad brothers sisters aunts uncles cousins you know fill up your whole super bowl ticket contingent <laughs> again from a life standpoint making more money than i ever thought i'd make notoriety being a dallas cowboy in north texas in dallas it doesn't get any better than that no, from right. a relational business relational standpoint beautiful family life was just good it did the was Cowboy good. fans, did they travel? Did they show up for that game? Oh, they always show up. Cowboy fans are, they're awesome. They're the best. And the thing about it, we had fans from all over the world. You know, warming up on the sidelines, there's Kevin Costner. And here comes Merle Haggard singing the national anthem. Yeah. That was every game. There was something for being America's team. And that was really, back in the day, it was that way. And we had fans all over the world. You played with some iconic Cowboys well, on that players. One, you know, the triplets, Troy Emmett, Michael, Deion Sanders, Charles Haley, Deion Woods would be a future Hall of Famer. All the guys that were on that team. And it was what just was phenomenal. your camaraderie with them like? We are teammates. You're friends. It's like your fellow co-workers. People put individuals that are either in social media now or that are, have some perceived notoriety because they're on TV. They put them on a pedestal but mm. realize that they're just a normal guy. They yep. got families. Their kids get sick. You know, they got to pay their same bills. It's just that you're in the public eye. But people are people across the board. And these guys were phenomenal teammates. And some of them were crazy, but we don't <laughs> need to get into that. We had a lot of fun in the locker room. Awesome. What was it like in the locker room that day? It was like being a fighter pilot. And I'll describe it like this. As fighter pilot, they have that certain mentality. I call it confident arrogance that I know I'm good. Every fighter pilot you've probably ever met is the world's greatest fighter pilot, and I'll tell you that. But it's that confidence. I know my craft. I know my job. I'm really good at what I do, and I know it. And that was the same as the Cowboys. When we would go on the field, we know we were going to win. We knew that we were the best team out there. And a lot of times, the other team knew that, too. Yep. We'd win the game before they, you know, the initial yep. gun goes off to start the game. If you won the mental battle before the first yep. whistle, you've already won. That's it. You have to have that arrogance. And it's not so much like a conceited, selfish arrogance. It's almost like a survival, thrival mechanism in those high-stress environments that you know you're going to enter into, whether it be flying an aircraft in a combat zone or walking out in the Super Bowl. If you don't have an air about you knowing, A, I deserve to be here. I've earned the right. 
I've put in the work to be here. And that can't be questioned. And then B, we know we're the best. How do you come away with the highest title in the world not having that? I just don't think you can. If you constantly thought about, as I'm thinking as a fighter pilot, I'm talking as a fighter pilot now, that if you thought about all the what ifs, what if I, you know, engine malfunction? What mm-hmm. if I flat failure? What if I have gun failure? What if this SA2 site's there? What if, you know, the SA6? What if the ZS20? What if all these things are there? You never accomplish your mission. You have to concentrate always on that end goal. Mindset, it's everything. You have to have that confidence. I live with a Marine. I totally understand <laughs> you know? what you're talking about. And I agree. Well, I agree. And Chad understands. Like, you, you, just like when he's was flying on those missions, like, I can't get too close to those Marines, even though you probably did. <laughs> You being older, the grand old man, when you went in there, rookie of the year, by the way, do you think your other teammates, even some of the vets that you were still older than, leaned on you a little bit because you were a little wiser, had more life experience under your belt, especially because yeah, of the I military? Would, I would tease them, yeah. You know, I, I had a real job before I came here. <laughs> you know, real, yeah. real life yeah. work experience. And I was in the same draft class as, as Michael Irvin. And then Ken Norton Jr., mm-hmm. who was with us for the first two Super Bowls, and yep. he went to uh, San Francisco. And here's the thing that I tell a lot of veterans. Those guys on the gridiron or those professional athletes, whatever, they are in awe of you guys, you veterans, for what you do. Because as kids, as we grew up, where everybody played Cowboys and Indians, yeah, yeah. or you played Army, you played Soldier, or you wanted to be your favorite professional athlete— we all role-played on these different things, and those guys did the same. They're in awe of those active-duty members in the military, whether fighter pilot, whether they're Marine, whether they're a Navy SEAL or whatever. Just as much as you admire them, they admire you. And these guys would ask questions. What was it like, man? They didn't care what I did. You know, as an Altman Trophy winner in college, my college, they could care less about that. Tell me those missions. What was it like to fly, take off out of Turkey and fly in northern Iraq? Tell me about those missions. What's it like to fly that plane? Tell me about that. I've been asked many times, what would you rather do, go back, play for the Cowboys or fly? I said, I would go back and fly in a heartbeat. Cowboys, been there, done that. I want to go fly. Still, that young boy in me still wants to go. Light my hair on fire and let's go. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. 
Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot, fast, and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Because of your real job, because that's exactly what it was, being a fighter pilot in the Air Force, you walked in the doors with respect that had nothing to do with football. That's a rarity. You know that. That's a rarity in the NFL or any professional sport for a veteran, let alone combat veteran, to walk in the doors. Something tells me that they're not going to say, hey, Rook, carry my helmet. Yeah. For me, though, I still felt that I had the the personal discipline, call it whatever, the mindset that I had to earn it. Even though I had accomplished stuff, Mm -hmm. that I had to still go out there and prove my worth. Right. Same as when I went to be, you know, in a fighter squad. You have to prove you have that gravitas. Rank has its privileges. They have to be earned to that point. For me, yeah, I did have that reputation, that respect from that. But I still, for me personally, I did have that mentality that, hey, look at me, look what I did. I was a fighter pilot. No, that's what I did. You know, what you do does not define who you are from a mindset standpoint. But I still had to go in and I had to prove that I could be a football player. And we mentioned you were older. You were 27 when you got into the league. And so now here's Super Bowl three and you're older, but your family's there. You're a family man. Maybe the rest of them are going to go out and get drunk and party, but. Jury always throws a great party afterwards where all the families would come. By then, it's 11, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. You just got done playing a game. You're spent anyway, but you're still from that emotional oh. high. The adrenaline's still flowing. Just a chance to decompress with family, with teammates. Get a picture in front of the Lombardi Trophy, the third one. The third one. Yeah, in four years. Take us now to post-Super Bowl. It's February. You're ready to relax, recharge, do family time. Take us to that period. We had been two weeks into our vacation time. We had been to Iowa to see my family. We were out in Colorado seeing my wife's family. Also, the player rep for the Cowboys at the time, which meant they were part of our Players Association. We'd get a trip out to Hawaii, to Maui, every year. So that was in the first part of March. So kind of prepping, laying back, relaxing for that. But then my son, Chase, who was two and a half at the time, just woke up with a fever. Didn't feel well. I was at the Cowboys facility doing a light workout. Uh, my wife took him to the pediatrician and why, why kids always get sick on a Friday, I don't know. But it was on Friday, so we mm-hmm. said, just take him home, we'll monitor him. But anyway, he continued to get worse. High, high fevers, rash started to grow all over his body. And like, what the heck's going on here? So we admitted him to the hospital. We spent the next week in the hospital where they poke and prod, drop blood, trying to figure out what this is. And bottom line, they had no clue. And then we were released after spending a week in the hospital with what they called a fever of an unknown origin. His body started to attack itself, created an autoimmune process. And 
This went on for days, for weeks, so emaciated and depleted to the point where we had to do some emergency medical procedures to keep him from going on. And it was, for me, tough. Because this was a point in my life, you know, at the time I was the strongest cowboy. Jake, I could bench 550. I could squat 750. At, believe me, I intimidated more doctors too, standing over him like, okay, doc, fix my son. Right. right. Yeah. Fix my son. You know, we don't know what's going on. We'll try this. We'll try this cocktail. That's what they call it, practicing medicine. And, and I don't yeah. blame the physicians because it's, the human body is so ornate that everybody is so unique that it's not a one-stop shop to fix or create somebody by here, take this pill or take yeah. this medication. The human body reacts in different ways. It'd be like daily. His fever would start to go up and you'd give him his children's Tylenol or Motrin. And that's a dose you can only give every four hours. But his fever continued to climb through a 101, 102, 103. I'm like, okay, now what do you do? Draw a tep temperature bath, go old school to bring the core body temperature down. It was in our master bedroom and my wife was outside and she's crying. And I'm looking at my son and he's it's like, Daddy, Daddy, am I going to be okay? You know, realize he's two and a half. He doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, you're going to be cool. Daddy, what's the matter with me? Why do I feel so bad all the time? And I'm like, son, you're going to be okay, buddy. And inside of me, I'm like, I should just be torn out. And again, because I was a guy who was always performance-based, I could fix anything by my work ethic, ability, whatever. And I couldn't do anything. And this is where I came to the end of myself. I pray that three-word simple prayer, God help me, because I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But this was the one thing in my life that I couldn't fix, that I couldn't correct. And that's where I struggled. I really struggled with that aspect of who I am as a man. You know, why can't I do this? It was either going through school, academics, you study harder on the wrestling mat or on the football field, you practice harder, you put more time in. But this was the one thing in my life that I couldn't fix, that I couldn't correct. And I struggled with my faith. You know, I asked God, why? And then also, who are you that you could allow this little boy to be able to suffer like this? And I questioned it. Man, I, during this time I read, of all people, Nietzsche, who had a quote that says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. He who has a purpose, a mindset, an identity, it came to me as, okay, not necessarily why did this happen, but it became, okay, now who am I going through this? God doesn't take you out of it. He gives you the strength and the courage to sustain it, to walk through it. Yeah. And that's where I learned that truth for me. And I didn't have anybody around me. I didn't have my tribe around me, the guys where you could really feel it, you could open up, be honest and say, guys, I'm not holding it together today. Or guys that, you know, my son had fevered up to 105 last night. We spent the night in the hospital or he was up all night crying and you know, I can't do it, or I had to take him to a specialist my day off yesterday for Tuesday. And then it's just these things you can't share because at that time, I do want to say, hey, I don't have it all together because that was the antithesis of what I thought it meant to be a man. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that you have to have it all together. You have to have all the answers that you can't show any chinks in your armor, that you have to be Rambo or Jason Bourne or going back to my day, John Wayne. That's what it means to be a man. And it impacted my marriage, too. Sure. And I looked at statistics that showed where couples that have a child that goes through an extreme illness or the death of a child, divorce rates are way north of average. That's the one thing my wife and I sat down from a relational standpoint. Hey, we're in for the long haul. 
let's stick together. Mm-hmm. But for me, I look back that whole fight or flight mechanism. I was in a constant firefight the whole time. I had to emotionally disconnect myself to the point that I had to survive. I got to compartmentalize. I got to play a game on Sunday, but then coming home, my son's got to go to a treatment or whatever, and he's not feeling well. What's the plan of execution? That you never had time to decompress and never had no off time. So you imagine the constant cortisol levels that are shooting through your body, the adrenaline rush. And I thank God that it was able to sustain me through us and for my wife too. And let alone, I'm look at me, I'm sitting here complaining about this, but what my son went through was beyond that. I mean, this was a little kid that there would be times where you couldn't even put a sheet on him. It would be so painful for him to even sleep. And not being able to go to school with his classmates, just because he hurt all over the extreme amount of pain, it broke our hearts for my wife and myself. And that's where our faith as Christians got stronger. We did realize that God loves Chase. God loved us is more than we could ever love him in that regard. And it actually strengthened our faith. And it gave me an extreme sense of empathy towards others that are going through trials in life. That, man, I I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And I tell you, man, just hang in there. There is hope. There's always hope. But you are the man that you are today. Because of that that struggle. And the struggle, Mm. as we all know, I've learned more through my pain and through my suffering and obstacles in life than I did through any Super Bowl victory. That was what defined me. And for my son and myself, that helped define our relationship going forward. It's made him the man that he is today. But that's where, as parents now, and as I'm, I'll get philosophical here, we do our kids a disservice by denying them the ability to struggle, mm. the ability to go through life, to figure it out. You, you learn your lessons in the valleys, not on the peaks. The view from the top is great, but you knew that. It's all about what did you learn during the climb. And that's something that I think we can all relate to. You know, we all know that you're going to get knocked down. It's a guarantee. And for you to be able to, at that time, having this epic high and then looking at Chase and feeling 100% helpless. It is something for people like us that is very foreign. You know, after I got hit, I never did the why me, why God. I didn't do that. I was grateful, in fact, that it was me and not my fellow Marines, better me than my Marines. But I was pissed that I lived because I went from being one of, as you all know, one of the world's most elite gladiators to couldn't use a bathroom on my own in literally a millisecond. That started my journey of helplessness and having to succumb to my pride and lay down my weapons and go, okay, I'm not going to be able to win this one on my own. Like, I'm going to need help for everything. And I can only imagine as a father now, and literally, when I say that, I mean it. I can only imagine, and not even well. And I know Chase, and love you guys, and love your family. And to know what you guys went through, I can only imagine that feeling. But the one thing that that is all relatable to us, I've learned in my journey thus far, is Pain and suffering sucks. Yeah. And we're not built to do it alone. There's times in life where your grit is going to be equally as tested, if not more so, as your grace. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. You also had to embrace the vulnerability of talking about it, of building that community around you because you couldn't do it alone. You know, that was why I was so got into a lot of the guys coming back from downrange that were coming back with post-traumatic stress. We all, as young men, bought off on that lie that to be a man, you had to show that you weren't vulnerable, that you can never show any vulnerability, that you had to have it all together at all times. And that's the antithesis of it. And particularly for our guys today, because you're constantly engaged in that fight or flight. Whereas conflicts in the past, yeah, you may have had a period of time, but then you had a reprieve. I can misimagine, you know, the Peloponnesian War back in the Greek times, that guys would go through a major battle and they sit around the campfire and they talk about, man, did you see that dude I hit today? Man, his head just lopped up, you know. Yeah. But they're able to process and talk through that. Or the Spartans, it was mandatory that they mourn their losses. Yeah. For an hour after every major battle. And we've regressed tremendously as warriors, modern day warriors and gladiators. And it's like, man, where did we go wrong? Like, where did that start? Because just like you said, it's a lie. And not only to the warrior class, but to me, the humankind, where I grew up, where I actually grew up, bad things happen. And it's like, hey, you'll be okay. You're good. Let's keep on moving. We'll not talk about it. You'll be fine. Just keep going. It's like, nope, that's not, you're suppressing. And at some point, that pressure cooker is going to go off. Right. And it just keeps building and building. But you realized you needed support around you. And you also knew that other people need support, too. So what did you do? Amen. Started a a men's ministry group called Wingman because I thought about these experiences that I had in life. Every time that I would fly a mission, whether it be a training mission or mission in combat, I never went solo. You guys never went out. Ever. Solo. Even with a sniper team, you always had a spotter. You always mm-hmm. had somebody with you all the time. Always have a shadow. To check your six. That's we right. always talk about check your six because as people, you can't see back 180 behind you. That's, That's why right. you need those relationships. The success for me to have a successful mission, come back and land, I needed to take care of my wingman. My wingman needed to take care of me. And if we didn't, the likelihood of something bad happening to us goes way up. And the likelihood of us actually accomplishing the mission goes way down. So how is Chase today? 
Chase is doing great. Bought his first house last year. He's dating a nice young lady. He's got a phenomenal job. He's doing really well. Physically, he has had his limitations. He gets around in a wheelchair. He had a lot of arthritic damage done to his joints and some of the connective soft tissue. But his attitude. Palpable. I love that young man and the fact that I've been around some extreme, strong-minded, high performers in all aspects, but they pale in comparison to him for what he went through and his effort, his mentality. He gets up and every day it's a choice. I may not feel well, but man, I'm going to go out and make it a great day. And I go, that's what life's about. As if I had anything to do with that as a father, you know, but. You did. I just, but God sustained him and, and he has become a phenomenal young man and I couldn't be more proud of who he has become as a man. And for me, that's my legacy. I could care less about the Super Bowls or Air Force status or my legacy was going to outlast me is him. He and my daughter and eventually mm. their grandkids and that, to me, that's what life's about, relationships. That's beautiful. And it's clear you're not only proud of him as a father, but he inspires you. Every day. That's amazing. What better legacy could you have? So having gone through this, how do you define strength now? It's the ability to be able to, when you face adversity, to face it and to continue to plod forward and to move forward. To me, that's strength. That's courage. Having the fear, having the potential anxiety of knowing what's going to happen, but still willing to face it and to go forward. That's true strength. Every day. Every day. Preach. Yeah, I mean, that's, what yeah. Jake was doing a speaking engagement one time, and Emmett Smith was sitting on the side, and he kept going, "Preach, Jake, preach!" And I was <laughs> like, I was mo- like multiple up. times, like loud as hell. We and can I tell that like, story to you because you know. And I'm yeah, like, that's awesome. I was like, looked at him. I almost gave him like the come on, man. Like the, <laughs> Trying to talk. Up like here. Just, I, I have a very limited time, Emmett. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, so you find yourself using the lessons in your day to day life now. Your chat innings the husband, father, businessman, leader in your community. I mean, you're a leader in every facet of your life. And do you use the lessons that you've learned through these trying times, do you think, on a day-to-day basis? Every day. Yep. Every day. You know, and that's one of the things. I took this course, Making Your Brain Smart at the Center for Brain Health, Dr. Sandy Chapman. Phenomenal. Very familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love Sandy. But, you know, what I took from her book and going through that was that people talk about intelligence, rote memory, regurgitating content information, but that's not it. What true intelligence is, is the ability to think integratively, innovatively, strategically. So for me, it's the aspect of taking your experience or someone else's experience and being able to apply and apply that to my life. Mm. And that's where I take the experiences from listening to you or another mentor or myself. How can I apply that to me? And how can I make that personal for me. And that's what I've really strived for my life now is to take some of these experiences because not everybody's going to get a chance to fly a jet or play for the Cowboys or do those things. But what I'm talking about, what it boils down to it, each and every one of us, I go through the same routine, which you can go through to apply these lessons to your life. And that's embrace the suck, embrace the grind, celebrate the high movements, be with your family. All those things, they're universal truths. And I don't care who you are, what you do. Again, what you do does not define who you are. But that's those are lessons that can be applied to anybody in any facet of your life. Nor what's happened to you defines who you are. Exactly. Yeah. What do you do to relax or recharge? 
being around my family. Mm. You know, and that's the thing. And we are now empty nesters. So my wife and I, we make time to, we have a call it coffee time and wine time. We have coffee in the morning. We go through our day, devotional. At night, we come home and maybe have a glass of wine and just relax, talk about the day. And for me, that's peace. And I also, I work out. I love to work out after that. And I love to read books. That's what recharges me. And my aspect of self-awareness and self-help is trying to expand my knowledge base. Absolutely. Greatness. Is there one person or organization that's had a significant impact on you and your life that you can think of? The guys who have impacted me the most, particularly early in my life, are my coaches. Yep. And I think that's the most hallowed profession in our culture today is being a coach. <laughs> yeah. It's just this lifelong impact. They changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Because I was a kid, you know, not highly recruited, a small rural community in Iowa for football. And I wanted to play Division I college football. My coach, my junior, senior year that summer, I asked, Chad, what do you want to do? Coach, I'd really I'd like to go to the Air Force Academy. Wasn't highly recruited to play at a football powerhouse school. Yeah. He took it upon himself to make a 16-millimeter highlight film of me, drove it 900 miles from our hometown in Iowa to Colorado Springs, handed off to the coaches there that recruited that area and says, you need to take a look at this kid. That's how I got there. Wow. Totally changed the trajectory of my life. So without question. Yeah. That's why I love football. That's oh, awesome. One question we ask all of our guests on The Good Stuff, what feeds your soul? What feeds my soul is my relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Barna, and quote by blood by Pascal, that inside man is a God-sized vacuum that only God can fill. And I've tried to fill with so many other different passions and pursuits of life, and it was always vacuous and it was always empty, but he is the one that brings me purpose, meaning, and satisfaction in life. Beautiful. Well said, brother. All right, well we do said. have one more question. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> asking it. So you've played with the Dallas Cowboys for nine seasons. You have three Super Bowl championships under your belt. And according to the stats, you have exactly one NFL touchdown. Explain. It was against the Arizona Cardinals out there. It was inside like the 20-yard line. We did a run blitz. Darren Woodson came through as a safety blitz, just nailed the running back in the ball. Human freight train. That yeah. Day. Dropped the ball right in front of me. You know, I picked it up and it was like a rolling ball of butcher nice man. I did. <laughs> I only had to run about 15 yards to run into the end zone. This is what's funny. And this is the impact of a coach. I get there and this is what's crazy. I remember what my high school football coach, same guy that drove the film out to the Air Force Academy said, he goes, act like you've been here before. So I ran up to the referee and I handed him the football and I started to jog back. But then I realized, hey, in the NFL, you can keep the footballs. So I said, sir, can I have that? I'd like, that was my only touch that I'll probably ever have. Can I have that? And I ran back. But that's, that stuck with me forever. And that's those important life lessons. Act like you've been here before. That, I do. Yep. I do remember it. And did you Wait. call me a mentor? <laughs> did you yeah, refer said, to you me as a mentor? A mentor? Okay, is. I was just checking. Because Chad Hennings <laughs> referred to me as a mentor. It's recorded. Anybody that you can learn something from in life is a mentor. Absolutely. Agreed. 100%. We have learned a lot today, and we're truly grateful that you not only took the time to come and do this, but to be vulnerable with us and share with us your story, your highs and your lows, and all of the lessons you've learned from it. Such an incredible story, and we're truly grateful. 
Dude, nothing but love, respect, and admiration for you and your family. You epitomize mentor and leader in Victor. And you do it with grace and humility. And you do it beautifully, bro. Yeah, just your presence and existence is inspiring. So thanks for the hope and the soul food, brother. I literally want to run through a brick wall. Or climb a mountain. Nope, I'll take the brick wall. (laughs) So inspiring. What this does for my soul, the best way I can describe it is on the drive here, you know, I'm on the struggle bus right now, and I see these guys on this window washing mechanism on this giant building in Dallas, spelling out hope with white panels or something on the side of the building. And it was like a God wink for me, like, hey, you got it. You're good. And that's what I get from this. This is the perspective and the mindset that I needed today. Right. And like Chad said, it's all about mindset that no matter how prepared you are in life, you and I, we always try to prepare and make sure we've got all of our T's crossed and all of our I's dotted and all of our ducks in a row because we live and lead such a busy life. But life still happens. And hearing Chad talk about everything that he went through and he's got it all squared away and then life happened. You know, was that life happening to him or was that life happening for him? And it's just so beautiful to hear mindset perseverance. Just keep going no matter what. Dig deep, but you can get through this. You can get to the top of that peak. That's right. Act like you've been there before. I think that has everything to do with mindset. Regardless of what the circumstances is or what may arise, don't overreact. Don't underreact. Just act like you've been there before. And I feel like that's what we all struggle with And because we have all these different things going on. But if we're able to just act like we've been there before, that's going to put us completely present in the moment. Just like today, where, again, I'm driving the struggle bus, but I get in this conversation, I acted like I've been here before. And it really, the rest took care of itself. So it is all about mindset and perseverance and understanding it's not over. That's why I'll take the brick wall. Screw the mountain. (laughs) I'm so grateful to have this soul food today because we need it. We all need it from time to time. If you enjoyed this story with Chad Hennings, please feel free to share this episode. And if you have a story that you want Jake and I to tell here on The Good Stuff, something that's fed your soul, something that's encouraged you to go on, please reach out to us. The Good Stuff is executive produced by Ashley Schick, Jacob Schick, Leah Pictures, and Q-Code Media. Hosted by Ashley Schick and Jacob Schick. Produced by Nick Castellini and Ryan Countshouse. Post-production supervisor, Will Tindy. Music by Will Haywood-Smith. Edited by Mike Robinson. Sound effects by Eric Aaron. Mixed by Ryan Sanchez. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. 
The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.